You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Well, good morning, church. Happy Boxing Day, whatever that means. If you've got a copy of God's Word, we're going to go to Psalm 130, the text which was just read for us. Uh, This week and next week, we're closing out our year together Uh, a year at Hope with a word on hope. We're back at Hope Depot, if you will. Uh, We're going to look at two psalms that sit back to back to one another, Uh, Psalm 130 this week, and then Psalm 131 next week as we look at this understanding and lead our hearts into the new year by hoping in the Lord. That's what's ahead of us today, and then next weekend, we're glad that you are here for that. Before we dive into the text, and I'll be there in just a second, I I, I was thinking about memories this past week. Maybe it's the season that we're in or or family that's around you. You you start to think about memories that you have, good memories that I've got. I was scrolling through some old photos this past week, uh, uh, me and Catherine in Chicago when we were teenagers, first met, first dating, sweet memories. Uh, Us again with the birth of our children holding them for the very first time and remembering all that. Sweet memories, sweet days. I was thinking about these good memories and then I realized that really are there, there's memories and then there are memories, sweet memories. Can you think of some in your life, the difference between some of them? Yeah, here's what I was realizing as I was thinking it through. Uh, the best memories come with the best consequences. It's almost like there's, there's such a thing as a dot memory and a line memory. Uh, hang with me here for a second. I promise there's a point to this. Uh, good dot memories, if we pull up this first slide, if you want to take notes, it's a dot. <laughs> good memories are like, like dots, right? Like you have a dot memory. Like I got my braces off. I got that great steak. Remember when I ate that great steak at that place? Remember when we went to the Grand Canyon? Remember when I got to drive a 68 Mustang GTO? Oh, great memories. Those are like dot memories. But line memories, they're a little different. They happen in a moment of time and bring with them consequences that are so fantastic. I'll give you a couple examples. That's the day I graduated. That's the day I passed my driver's exam. Or even better, that's the day when I met my best friend. That's the day when you were born. That's the day I fell in love with you. Dot memories are good, but line memories, now they're fantastic. I found myself returning to these memories this past week with nostalgia. Why is that? Well... Let's be honest, because life is challenging. And I don't just mean life in general. I mean life right now. December 2021, Ontario. It's hard. We find ourselves longing for better days, don't we? Come on, be honest. Where's the good news? 
someone show me some good news. That's what I need right now. I, I need to see and read good news. I'm sick of the bad news. Well, I think you know where I'm going. Psalm 130 is good news. In fact, it highlights the best news possible. This psalm is pure gospel. And here's the thing. It's not a dot memory. It's a line memory. The gospel comes to us in a moment of time and then brings enormous, incredible, wondrous consequences that I believe that if we fill our hearts with today, they're gonna cause enormous amounts of hope to surge forth in our lives. The gospel begins with a dot, but brings this goodness with us. Today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look back to look ahead with hope because the gospel is still good news. Loved ones, here's what we're gonna see today. Regardless of where you are right now, regardless of how your day went yesterday or your year went this past year, regardless of how you think 2022 is gonna look for you, regardless of what's coming on the horizon or what you have just passed in the valley behind you, the truth is the good news is there for you today in the gospel. And because the good news is still the good news, and because the good news will always be the good news for you, then you can hope in the Lord of the good news. There. Sermon's over. That's really all I'm gonna say to you today. But I got a few minutes left, so maybe I should show you from God's word how this comes about because God's word is much more living and active than my words. Why is the good news still the good news? Our text, Psalm 130, verse one. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Verse three, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Why can we hope in the Lord of the good news? Why can we hope in him this coming year? Well, I'll give you reason number one. There's only two points in my message today. The first is this. We can hope in him because he is my foundation of help. He's the very foundation, he's the bedrock of my help. What we don't know is the context of this psalm. We don't know what the circumstances were around which the writer wrote it. We don't even know who the writer is, but we do know this much. The writer's in the depths. The writer's in the slums. The writer's in an absolute wasteland. Here in the Hebrew, the word for depths literally means I am drowning. He's overcome. He's going under. This is complete and total peril that this guy is in. But what's the peril? What's the danger that he's talking about? Why, why does he feel like he's drowning? What, what are the waters over his head? Is this, is this death? Is it a trial? Is it, is it his enemies? What's going on here? Now, at first glance, we might be tempted to, to, to say that this is just a general peril. Anytime he gets into trouble, you know, this is just a trouble. I'm in trouble. And so we don't know the context. It's just trouble. And so we can say, well, it, it fits. This psalm fits if you're sick. If there's some financial trouble going on in your life, if, if you've lost a loved one, if, if there's a relationship that's maybe fractured and disintegrating around you, this is the trouble that he's talking about. That's what you might be tempted to think. Now listen, it's not that we can't cry out or that we shouldn't cry out to God for these things. We absolutely should. 
But that's not what this passage is teaching. This isn't general peril. This is real specific. Look at the next verse, verse three. Context, context, context. What's the issue? If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? What's the peril? What's the danger? What's the drowning that he feels? It's his sin. It's the tidal wave of knowing that he has stood in opposition to God. However that looks in his life. However that looks in your life. Because sin, we're told in scripture, is universal and it is terminal. Everyone has it and it leads to death. Now here we should pause because the world has turned us off right now. If we were on TV, next channel. Because that's not a message that's very popular, this message of sin, for two really good reasons. The first is, what are you gonna tell someone they're doing something wrong? That's not how it goes in this world right now. What do you mean I'm not okay? What do you mean I'm not okay? The world tells us that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay, you're okay. I think somebody even wrote a book about this. The problem is not sin. The problem is not sin. The problem is you. You're judgmental. You're telling me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Everyone's right. Everyone's got an opinion. See, this isn't popular in the world right now, right? The message of sin. It's also not popular because with sin, you have to tell people about God. And they will respond, what do you mean there's a God? Come on, your God? Who's to say your God is the only God? You see, sin necessarily includes with it the idea that God exists. And if I recognize that God exists, then it's not really a big jump for me to realize that I'm not like God and maybe I'm not meeting God's standards. But if I can reject God, then I don't have to talk about sin. And the world goes, ah, now that's better. Does the writer live with an understanding that sin is a problem in his life? You bet he does. He feels like he's drowning. How about you? Do you see the danger that you're in? Do you see that the only thing that is separating you from facing a righteous God who will judge you is your fragile little life? 30 years from now ended. 30 days from now ended. Who knows, 30 minutes from now ended. See, the truth is, you don't control the end point of your life. You don't even control your breathing right now. You don't control the end point and you don't control the definition of what sin is. You can't run from God. Someday you will face him. This life is fragile. Some of you are sitting here today with a loss from this past year. Maybe someone in your family, someone with you this time last year. This was fragility of life was hammered home to me. Uh, this summer, my family and I were returning from a day trip. And in front of me, like directly in front of me on the highway, I saw a motorcyclist. 
hit by a truck. Pulled the car over because I witnessed it. There was nobody in front of me. I walk up the side of the road and watch the man die. Did he wake up that morning thinking that was it? Life is fragile. You don't control it. What will you say when you stand before the Lord? What if you do have an understanding right now of your sin? What if you do sense the danger that you're in, like the writer senses the danger that he was in? What do you do? Well, you do exactly the same thing that the writer did. He cries for mercy. Because here, now it turns to good news, away from sin. The good news is that God is the source of mercy. Verse two says, this is his voice. Oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He understands the incredible danger that sin is in his life and he goes to God for help. Now how incredible is this? How amazing is this? The problem is, is that he's offended God and his righteousness. He's under sin. The problem is the relationship is broken with God. But the solution is also with God. God is the solution to the problem. This makes sense, right? If I've offended an all-powerful, omnipotent God, what can I possibly do to make that right? What am I gonna do? Follow some seven-set rule problem solving? Make it right with a holy God? Read a book? Is that gonna make it right with a holy God? Write a paper, dance on your foot? What can I do to make it right? What am I gonna give a holy God to make it right? And the answer is nothing. And the writer knows this. And that's why he cries out for mercy. Does our sin do the same, bring about the same response in us? Do I recognize my deep, dire, life-threatening need for mercy today? Have I seen this? Have I stopped trivializing sin, excusing sin? Oh, that's the way everybody is. That's just me. Ha, ha, ha. Have I called it for what it is and cried out to God for help? And if you have, do you remember that dot moment in your life? Do you marvel today at the wonderful truth that you've been given mercy, that you deserved much worse for your life against God? But all of that has been set aside, paid for, removed by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the good news still the good news to you today? Do you see the mercy of God that is upon you today in Christ? Believer, do you see this? Or maybe for the first time, do you see the mercy that's there for you today? Verse three, again, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And what I wanna tell you is the gospel, the good news today, doesn't just stop with a cry for mercy. It's what God does next that really blows the roof off the place. You cry out for mercy, yes, but now God is also, secondly, the source of your forgiveness. He's the source of your forgiveness. He's the foundation of your help. If sin is the problem, and it is, and somewhere in the mercy of God is the solution, well, what's God gonna do with his mercy uh, to solve this catastrophic situation that you're in? Uh, how does God fix things? It's not by punishing you. 
It's not by adding pain to your life or making you go through a to-do list. It's not by bringing you into isolation or cutting off your fingers, but by grace and forgiveness. Listen, you may wrong a friend to the point in this life where they will never forgive you. You may wrong a neighbor in this life where they will never forgive you. You could mess up your wife, your children, so much to the point in this life where they will never speak to you again. But listen, God will always forgive you. No matter what you have done, the wrongest, deepest, darkest thing within your heart, that thing that makes you disgusted with yourself, that is broken relationships with others, there is forgiveness to be found in Jesus Christ today. God is a God of mercy and he loves forgiveness for the brokenhearted, for the contrite, for those who are crushed in spirit, for those who are crying out to him. God extends mercy. And how is this even possible? It's possible through Jesus Christ, through his life, through his death, through his sacrifice for your sin upon the cross you can have life in him. Listen, the key to forgiveness is not a set of steps to follow. The key to forgiveness is not an action. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. If you look for anywhere else in your life to diagnose and treat your sin problem, you're heading nowhere. It simply cannot be found. There is no other name in heaven by which we must be saved. This is the great problem of our world. It always has been. Deep down inside of the human heart, there is always an aching pain that something ain't right, man. We recognize it at funerals. That's not right. We see it in the crisis of our life, the illnesses in our life, the cravings of our heart that are satisfied for Christmas Day, and then the next day, turn around and want more. We're never satisfied. The problem is sin, but the world in rejecting God rejects sin. But here's the thing, rejecting God doesn't remove God. Rejecting God doesn't erase the definition of sin. If you sat down with your oncologist and they told you that you have cancer and you said to them, I don't believe you, is that gonna get rid of the cancer? Your disbelief or belief doesn't change the problem. Christ alone is the one who can complete us and end this longing for more. He alone gives the rest and peace to our hearts. He alone floods us with joy in the midst of a difficult life. He alone gives hope. He alone gives forgiveness. And that's why the psalmist says, with you there is forgiveness. And listen, Christ's forgiveness is available for you even right now. Do you recognize that the greatest gift, the greatest gift that ever has been given is free for you today in Jesus Christ, in eternity with him, forgiveness from sins. You can't earn it, you can't buy it. It belongs to God. He gives it freely. You just need to ask in faith for it. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to be white. You don't need to be a man. You don't need to be a six foot four preacher. You just need to need it. You just need to cry for it. You just need to turn from your life and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, is the gospel still good news to you today? Are you remembering that moment maybe today? Do you remember that God is the source, the only source of your help today? Mercy and forgiveness from him and his throne. Now watch what happens next. 
This is great. Verse five. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Listen, there's good news for you today in the gospel. And because that's true, we can hope in the Lord of the good news. And if he is my foundation of help, he is also this. Secondly, he's my fountain of hope. I can hope in the Lord of the good news because he gives me my health and he gives me my hope. When Christ comes into your life and grants you the mercy and the forgiveness from sin, hope rises up from within. I want you to notice a few things about this, this, this hope thing. This is, this is not a hope that waits on your hands, right? That's what the psalmist is talking about. He's not talking about just, hey, I hope, and he turns around and does something else. No, it's a, it's a pressing. It's a every fiber of my being leaning in expectancy that God will do something. That's the kind of hope he's saying. The writer's not waiting without direction. He says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. He tells us. Notice that phrase, in his word, I hope. Okay, now, now you teach the teacher here for a second, okay? If I asked you this question, what is gonna bring me more hope in my life? What's gonna be like gasoline fueling the hope engine of my heart this day, this coming year, 2022? What's gonna be the fuel for my hope? Did you see it? His word, God's word. How basic is this? How incredible is this? So often hope is lost when we put this book away. The book is closed, hope meter goes down. The book is open, the hope meter rises. So often our world lives with the daily reality of hopelessness. You picking that up? Are you sensing a tone of like hopelessness around you? But for this guy, the psalmist, hope surges when he reads the word of God. Why is that? Well, because God's word brings truth. God's word tells us about God's character. God's word equips me to do what I need to do. God's word reminds me of who he is over and over again. We saw this in the Christmas Eve service, one of the testimonies about listening to the world and reading all that and then turning around and finding hope in the word of God. Hope found in the word of God. One of the first things I do as a pastor sitting down with someone in crisis is I ask them, how much have you been reading the word of God? Here's what I'm saying. Let me put it on the screen for you. The more you read God's word, the more you will set yourself up to think God's thoughts. And the more you think God's thoughts, the more you will have hope. Are you tracking with me here? Let me say it again. The more you read God's word, okay, the more you set yourself up to think God's thoughts, and the more you think God's thoughts, the more hope you will have. Some of you are trying to write that down. Let me make this real quick and easy for you. This is what I'm saying. Read your Bible. Fuel hope. Have that in your life. What's your plan going forward? I don't mean Bible reading plan. That's great. Get it at. How are you gonna consume the word of God this year? As you read the news and you see the hopelessness, how are you gonna think God's thoughts as you see his truth, his character, 
equipping you for the year ahead. Listen, maturity understands that if I wanna live a life filled with hope, I will be living a life reading the word of God. It's that simple. I'm not talking about listening to preachers and we're fine, thank you. Read the word. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to his voice in your life. It's a sure thing. And listen, as he trusts in the word of the Lord, the psalmist hopes. And look, he waits patiently. The writer tells us that he's waiting for the Lord as the watchman for the morning. In fact, this is so true, he says it twice as the watchman for the morning. And in Hebrew, as in English, this is a way of amplifying the statement. In Hebrew, as in English, this is a way of amplifying the statement by saying it twice. Now, why watchman? Now, this is lost to us culturally somewhat. In the ancient Near East as elsewhere, the watchman looked for danger, and his job was at night. They would post him on the walls at night, and he would look out beyond the horizon of the city walls, and he'd be watching in the darkness of the light to see if there's any troop movement coming, anyone coming to attack, anyone coming to threaten, and he would watch that horizon hour after hour after hour, and then when the sun rises, job's done. Leaves his spear, leaves his trumpet, leaves the call, and turns back into the city and rests for the night. Sleep during the day, up in the afternoon, have a meal, back to the wall, staring at the wall, staring over the edge, at the horizon, day after day after day, and night after night after night, with the sure and certain knowledge that just as night comes every day, so too the sun rises. At daybreak, the man rests. You understand what he's saying here? Christian, this is our attitude as well. Are we not in a world now, right now, surrounded by darkness? Doesn't it seem so encroaching, troubled within, even troubled outside? Our eyes are to watch the horizon well aware of the trouble that lays outside, but recognizing that even in the morning, the darkness, will come, the darkness will fade away. Trusting in the promise and the presence of Christ in our lives, looking to the horizon. He's gonna come, he's gonna come, he's gonna come. The Lord will deliver, the Lord will rescue, the Lord's presence and promise in my life is gonna carry me through the next day. Trusting in this. This is the way we look to the horizon, staring. But you know what happens? Some of us lose hope. Some of us lose hope because we get to the wall and we're staring at the horizon and we decide to say, you know what, rather than looking for the sun to rise, I'm gonna turn back and look into the city. And our watchman on the wall is saying, you know what, what I need to do is I gotta get a new job. That's gonna change, I gotta get a new job with a fatter paycheck I gotta stop doing this. And the hope begins to rise in that. Or our watchman standing there is like, I, I gotta get a vacation because I can't do this job anymore staring at that horizon. Or I just can't wait till I retire. And I don't have to do this anymore. And the hope in that or the hope in the financial stability or the perfect health for himself or for others, wanting to have the kids leave the home, hoping in that. Hoping in the perfect wife, the perfect husband, 
that one happy day. Sometimes even, don't we, like our watchmen, we look back and I just wish it was just normal again. See, what happens is you start hoping for things that aren't things you should be hoping for and then all those things break down, don't they? Because if you need an illustration of that, look back to the last two years. Where do the vacations go? Where do the jobs go? What about retirement? What about financial stability and health and the kids and, and the perfect wife, the, 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 the husband who's gonna get better somehow, the return to normal, and then you lose hope, don't you? The problem with our hope, church, is not that we are wanting hope. It's that we're hoping in the wrong thing. We need to be hoping in the promise and the presence of Christ in our lives. We're hoping for the wrong thing. We're also hoping in the wrong way. Instead of being anchored into God's word, we're also anchored into the world and some of the opinions and my neighbor across the fence and this is what I think and I'm an expert. Everyone's an expert these days and you're listening to all those. The gospel though, the good news, the good news that promises mercy and forgiveness in Christ is also calling us keenly to look for him, trusting in the promise and the presence of Christ. But I want you to see this. Not only are we fueled by the word of God for more hope, but I want you to see the fruit of what this hope looks like. It's, it's redemption. O Israel, he says in verse seven, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There's that word again. The writer has taken us up the slope from despair and drowning and entrenchment into sin through the glorious riches of forgiveness and, and a solid patience for the Lord. He now plants us on the mountaintop of hope. And now he calls others, you need to hope in the Lord too. And why can we have the hope in the Lord? Well, because the hope is rooted in the character of our God, not in the stuff of the world, but in the character of an unchangeable God, a God who was and is and will be. And why can God be trusted? Well, because he gives steadfast love. The text says, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. The love of the Lord that has started this whole thing in process. The love of the Father who sends the Son. The love of the Son who obeys the Father. The love of the Son who loves the Father that gives his life up for us because of their love for us. It's because of love. With the Lord, there is steadfast love. And with the Lord also is plentiful redemption. I love that term. It literally means truckloads of redemption. Over and over and over. Not just redemption for me, and not just redemption for you. Redemption for the whole world. Available there for anyone who would take it. Mercy, forgiveness, hope, redemption. All of it found in Christ. Is the good news still good to you today? Is the good news gonna be the good news for you in 2022? Are you treating the gospel like it was a dot? Oh, that was good. That's the day I got saved. Or are you treating it like it should be? The gift that carries on and on and on and on and provides you with grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope and redemption even today. There is good news for us today and every day in the gospel. And because that's true, we can trust and hope in the Lord of the good news. I wanna show you something from the past and hopefully this doesn't date you. In 1977, as part of their Christmas advertising, 
Kodak, Trimline, Instamatic, 18 came out, okay? Everyone pay attention to how history works. This is not just 17, this is 18, folks. That's black, hard plastic case, that's premium. Do you think maybe you'll say things about that 40 years from now, about the things you have and cherish so much? Anyways, side preach, back on to point. This is the Kodak Trimline Instamatic 18 camera. It's a fine piece of engineering. It's yours currently on eBay for $16, if you can get film for it. But in 1977, this was a Christmas, woof, gotta get this thing. For anybody who's, anybody's got that Kodak Trimline Instamatic 18 camera. And the slogan around it, you probably don't remember the camera, but you might remember the slogan. It was the gift that keeps on giving. To which I say to Kodak, you lie. Because <laughs> that thing ain't giving nothing to nobody now. You know, take pictures with that thing. Oh, look at that. I took that on my Kodak Trimline Instamatic camera. Come on now. You can make the leap, can't you? Watch what I'm about to do. There is a gift that keeps on giving. That has been for thousands of years. It is the hope of the gospel. It is a gift that you receive, and it is a gift that will carry you through day two, and day 22, and day 3,052. Every single day, the gospel gives grace and mercy and hope and life to you in Christ Jesus. It truly is the gift that keeps on giving. I wanna pull up a slide here for you. These are the gospel gifts, don't write it down yet. These are the gospel gifts that are yours in 2022. As you look back to find hope for the future, these are your gifts in Christ Jesus by faith in him because of his incredible work. And these aren't all the gifts, folks. Let me walk you through them. One, God loves you. Every single day, every single minute, every single hour you draw breath this next year, God in heaven, the highest supreme being, the one who founded and formed the world into existence, God himself loves you. He knows everything about you, even that middle name you're embarrassed by, he knows it all. And he loves you. And God shows his love for you right now in that while you were still a sinner, number two, Jesus died for you. That is truth for you in 2022. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son, willingly entered into this world, willingly suffered a life of difficulty and hardship, walked obediently unto the cross and was crucified because you were in his heart. Not you corporately, you individually. Your specific name was in the heart of Christ as he suffers on the cross for you. That is true for you in 2022. Here's another truth. By faith in Christ, you are forgiven from all of your sins, all of the sins in the past that you're ashamed of, all the struggles you have now, even today in your heart, and all the ones that you'll face in the future, all of it forgiven in Christ. Listen, God's not mad at you in Christ. He's forgiven you of your sins, and that's your reality in 2022. Isn't that great news? How about this one? 
God will be merciful to you in 2022. How do I know that? Well, because God is unchanging. God doesn't change like you and I. He's always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And if God was merciful then and merciful now, he will be merciful and he will be faithful. Even when you are faithless, he will be faithful. Here's another truth. He will never leave you. Friends may leave you. Marriages may break down. But God will never, ever abandon one of his sheep. And then, and these aren't all of them, by the way. But I saved this one because I love this one too. Nothing will ever separate you from God's love. Even your own moments of doubt, all the circumstances of the world, nothing will ever remove you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. These are the realities you hold by faith in Christ Jesus. These are your gospel guarantees that fuel hope in the new year for you. All of it by the power of Christ. And if he's done all that, let me paraphrase scripture now. If he's done all this, by way of conclusion, if he has done all this, then in the power of Christ, we will fight the good fight. We will finish the race. We will keep the faith. And in the power of Christ, whatever gain we had, we count as loss for the sake of Christ. We count it all as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. For his sake, we've suffered the loss of many things and count them as rubbish in order that we may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law and our own efforts, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that depends upon faith, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in sufferings with him, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible we may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's in the power of Christ as well. And then if that's true in the power of Christ, then we are sure of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And in the power of Christ, after we have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory, listen, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that, come on now, that is good news. You don't have to read any headlines this year. You are facing good news if you are facing the gospel this year. Good news that has happened to you and good news that will carry you through even this next year. See, maturity looks back to look ahead with hope. And how can we not hope in the Lord? How can we not hope in our God who has given us such mercy, who has given us such forgiveness, who has given us such a redemption? Whatever we face in the world ahead, nothing will ever touch that. So we hope, we hope in the Lord himself, the giver of this good news. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that just as this is true, it's also true that you know exactly who we are. You remember our frame. You remember that we're dust. You remember that within our hearts, there is a struggle. We are creatures who doubt. 
We are creatures who fall back, who slide into fear, slide into uncertainty. We are frail, God. There is sin in our hearts. You remember who we are, God. And as we remember you and as we repent of even these sins, God, we ask that you would please strengthen us for this coming. Strengthen us for whatever we face. That we would be a people who walks and pleases you by faith, trusting in what is ahead of us. Even, even when, God, we, we don't know. But there are things that we do know. We know you. And we know that you will be faithful. And we know that you are the good God of all creation. And you have seen fit to adopt us into your family. Behold, what manner of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. God, we thank you for what you have done. Please, God, make us a people who walk in this way now in the year ahead. Fuel our hope in you, God. Eyes upon you, walking by faith. I pray, Lord, even now as we uh, close our time together singing, God, I pray that this is a song of a prayer even of faith given to you, that your people be worshiping you now, that, that you would be pleased with how we respond. Lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.